sure to click the like and subscribe button. Hey guys, welcome to the first episode of Murders and Missing. So we aim to shed light on unsolved murders, missing persons cases, whether they be current or cold, and wrongful convictions. Um, I am your green-haired forensic psych student, April. Hey, how are y'all doing? Anyway, and I have a partner in crime, Kristen. Say hey, Kristen. <laughs> you might hear. Um, anyway, so I'm sure you're asking why these topics are on our platform. For, for reasonings that I can explain to you, um, basically what had happened was that I had had discussions with students, friends, relatives about different things that I saw was wrong. And so I went idealistically as a grad student and thought I was just going to hop into the behavioral science unit at Quantico. Well, I have obviously aged out of that position. So Anyway, everybody said, why don't you start a podcast? Because that's what you love talking about. So that's exactly what we're doing today. Um, but, and that is how we come to my favorite, if you can have a favorite, with wrongful convictions. One that has stuck with me since I saw the documentary. Um, I will go ahead and tell you that I am from Ohio, so that's why I didn't know about this, even though I do reside very locally to where this incident happened. But the first case is very near and dear to my heart, and that is the death of James Jordan. Yes, folks, you guessed it. Michael Jordan's dad. So admittedly, um, you know, Michael Jordan is one of the best basketball players we will ever know. You know, I have a teenager who obviously knows who Michael Jordan is. He is synonymous. He knows Jordan's for the shoes, I think, more so than the stats. But anyway, his father, James, what people fail to recognize is that James was one of the pillars of MJ's foundation. And he was one that pushed him and attended him and his mom attended all of their games um, up at North Carolina state. So anyway, but on July 23rd, 1993, they are saying that James Jordan was murdered, that that was the date. So this creates a nightmare of jurisdiction because they say he was murdered in Lumberton, North Carolina, which is Robinson County. His body was discovered 11 days later, excuse me, 10 days later, in a place called McCall, South Carolina, which is Marlboro County. Then his car was found first, and that was in Cumberland County, 
which is Fayetteville, North Carolina. So we have three counties converging basically on each other. Um, and that is basically just, yeah, folks, you understand without me saying it. So, but anyway, with that being said, um, we've all seen the headlines. And us true crime aficionados know that there is a lot behind what is going on. So we are going to delve deeper today into what is going on and what has happened with the case and since then. Um, and see, the defendants were Daniel Green, who was 18 at the time, and Larry Demery, which was 17. Now, between you and I, both of them were already in trouble um, as juveniles. So this was the biggest case that any of these three counties had ever seen. This is, you have to remember, 1993 Chicago Bulls, World Series, you know, the, the NBA Finals, about said World Series, we're, we're not playing baseball. But anyway, so with that, you have to remember that this is huge. Michael Jordan is up there in Chicago. You know, he is from Wilmington. So he definitely has spent a lot of money here in the state of North Carolina. If you haven't guessed it by now, that's where we are. This is in the state of North Carolina. But as far as that goes, you know, you have to question yourself. Is it because of his celebrity status, the way that the case went down, or there is a multitude of other factors? So get ready to join me on a deep dive into the case and let's see what we can Mug uncover. shots at time of arrest of Larry Demery, left, and Daniel Green, right. Okay. So here's what we know. We know that it took 10 days after ju supposedly July 23rd, when James Jordan was killed, to locate his body in McCall, South Carolina. He was basically hung over a branch with his arms extended. Anyway, um, and... With that, he had bullet holes in his torso. Now, keep in mind through all of this that Mr. Jordan's body had been in the water for 10 days. In 10 days, there is a lot of decomposition. There is a lot of evidence lost. Um, so just keep that in the back of your mind as we discuss. Um, we know that he lived in Wilmington, North Carolina, of course, and we knew he was on his way to Charlotte, and he stopped in Lumberton. Now, here's where it gets a little bit suspicious. So, when he stopped in Lumberton, he actually was pulling off supposedly on the side of the road, and when he did, he was taking a nap. And so he was, and there are a few different accounts 
one said that he actually was on his way home from Charlotte, that he was going to, that he had been at a funeral. But that was later discounted. Um, and we're not in any way, shape, or form saying that Mr. Jordan had anything to do with his own murder. Um, of course not. But there, there are some questionable things as to why he was where he was. Um, where, his, where he was supposedly shot is exactly an hour and 17, or excuse me, an hour and seven. So take 10 minutes off of that. Um, an hour and seven minutes to the city of Wilmington. Um, now, yes, it was late at night. Yes, Mr. Jordan was an older man. So you can look at those things. But why would you stop so close to home? Now, the quality in where his car was supposedly parked um, had a gambling room in the back. And that was a high stakes gambling room, not open to the public. You kind of had to know somebody to know somebody to get in there anyway. But just weird that he literally was 500 yards away from the Quality Inn um, where this poker room was. But so needless to say, that's a big question. Um, the toxicology report was done uh, and it showed that he had been drinking before he left Wilmington. So maybe um, he had a little too much to drink and was intoxicated and slept on the side of the road. Who knows? Who knows? But um, that was in his tissue. And like I said, again, keep in mind through all of this, we have 10 days of water decomp which is very severe. Uh, you're not going to get to know a lot about what happened. Of course, obvious bullet holes and, and things of that nature are fine. So, but my big question in all of this was, why would you stop either if you were going to Charlotte um, an hour and seven minutes away after you left home, coincidentally, to where a known gambling high stakes room was. Either or. So I am not in any way, shape, or form saying that Mr. Jordan was, you know, a, a gambling addict or anything like that at all. Folks, let's be real. I didn't know the man, not going to claim to know the man. So, but what happens next is what really makes me wonder. Rather than someone noticing that at the time, the NBA's greatest star's father, who was almost at all the Chicago games, who wore a Chicago Bulls watch, we'll get into that later, who had Michael's first NBA in 86 ring, we'll get into that later too. But anyway, how this man was not noticed missing for 10 days, 
He was not reported missing for 10 days. So, and Michael Jordan had known something was wrong. So, what did Michael Jordan do? A man with a ton of money. He sent his own private investigation team. Now, to me, that raises red flags right there. Why would you not alert the police in case someone had got him in a kidnapping, per se? Why would you send your own security team for that? Um, but the two individuals that you saw pictures of just a minute ago are Larry Demery, he was age 17, as I said before, and Daniel Green, age 18. Um, and they were charged with first-degree murder. Now, as I said before, um, it was explained as a robbery gone wrong. But these are small-town sheriffs who have never dealt with a celebrity or their parents of that magnitude. And were burning to solve this case. Now, here are some things we know. There's no, through a luminol test, there is no blood in the car. Like, I'm talking none. Except for one teeny tiny little fraction of a spot. And this spot was not even visible to the naked eye. We will get into that later. But they claim that James Jordan, whose body was cremated before identification. Now, if you want to hear something really weird, um, before identification, they took his hands and his jaw to identify him, a.k.a. dental records. So, with that, that makes you already question they cremated a body before he was identified. And he had been in the river, supposedly, for 10 days. So, conspiracy theorists? No. But I don't see what the rush was to cremate him at all. So, um, on August 13th is when they found him in the river. So, that was quite a bit of time, actually, between when everything happened and when he was actually discovered. So, and that was in Bennettsville. There was... Let's talk about this. I'm from Ohio, guys. In Ohio, people like each other. They do. But we don't know our neighbors, really. Like, we might know them as, you know, Susie and Tom and their kids go to such and such a school or whatever. Down here in the South, knowing your community is almost like a religion. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing because I've been down here for 25 years and I actually like it to tell you the truth. But I find that the South is way more 
connected as a community. So, but with the South, they also had extreme pressure from literally everywhere. I mean, could you imagine these sheriffs of these small towns? They're not cities. They're not equipped to deal with this stuff. Not like Chicago at all. Not even close. You know, to close this case, to find out what in the world happened to the famous NBA player's dad. I mean... The pressure would have been insurmountable in my view. So, but let me tell you, there were four, count them, one, two, three, four, yeah, four, four prints lifted off of that Lexus. And when they were lifted off of that Lexus, all one, two, three, four prints did not belong to Larry Demery or did not belong to Daniel Green. They belonged to four other people. So now we are not only talking about the two, we're talking about six, possibly, six people that are actually involved in this. So all the boys, the four boys, the four outstanding fingerprints. All of them, once they got there, they immediately blamed Daniel and Larry. Of course, right? It's felony murder. It's Michael Jordan's dad. Like, who wouldn't blame somebody, even if you did it? So, yeah, you would kind of have to take that as a grain of salt. Um, but anyway... Here is the part for me. Daniel, during, let's talk about interrogations. Because the interrogations were something that went on for like seven to eight hours. Larry Demery was in one room and Daniel Green was in another room. Basically what they were doing was they were playing good cop, bad cop. Well, if you tell on him before he tells on you, then you get the better deal. I hate that game. I think it should be illegal in this country to play that game. But it, it is legal. So what happened was Daniel over here did not invoke attorney-client privilege. He didn't ask for a lawyer at all. Larry Demery did not ask for a lawyer at all when they first were in there for the first couple hours, right? Here's two young boys, 17 and 18. They have no idea of the magnitude of what they are facing other than this is Michael Jordan's dad. So two young boys. They did admit to the cops on record that they drove the car. They did. Here's the crazy part. Their fingerprints were on the phone of the car, but were not found anywhere else in the car. How are you gonna drive a car without putting fingerprints on the steering wheel? 
I'll give you a second. I'll let you think about it. Kind of weird, huh? So, all right. Larry Demery, when he was arrested, was arrested for bench warrants. And when he got to jail and they knew that he had existing bench warrants, they put the heat on him. Here is a 17-year-old kid. They know they've got this kid because he had attempted armed robbery, armed robbery, and I think kidnapping. So I'm not really sure. I'm gonna check my facts on that one and then we'll know by the end of this. So, but they were not connected to the Jordan case at all, period. So Larry already knew he was going to prison, right? 17 years old, been in trouble most of his life. He knew like he, he was getting he was getting the adult treatment this time. So Larry waived his rights to an attorney, and he admitted that he saw a car at Daniel's house. So what did the police do? The police hobbled out of there, right? They are just ready to go. Daniel's it, Daniel's it, Daniel's it. So they go to, what Daniel at the time lives with his mom. So they go to Daniel's mom's and they turn her house inside out. Guess what? There is no red Lexus anywhere. There's no keys. There's no anything. So, what Larry Demery failed to do, tell the police was that he had been removed from his living situations and was living at Daniel and his mom's house. I know, right? Like, okay. So, they found... The cops go in and they found a 38 caliber pistol in a shot vat. Now, if you have ever known what a shot vac is, it's just a really strong vacuum cleaner, but it has a hose, right? So they just coincidentally know in there to, get, to go in there, pop the top off of a shot vac like you normally do. Voila! 38 caliber pistol. What bullet do you think they removed from James Jordan? You got it, a 38 caliber. So, <clears throat> because they both had records of violence and they had a history in Robinson County, the cops zeroed in on them, completely zeroed in on them. But, I do want to talk about the history of Robinson County. Now, if you have never been to, you can call it Robinson, but if you're from here, you call it Robinson County. So, but they have had um, racial injustice. They are notoriously known for unfair judgments against the black and brown. Um, they have an extremely high rate 
of not solving cases at this time. So now, please remember, this is back in 1993. I'm not saying that racial injustice doesn't exist now. I'm just saying we have to take this in the context that this was back in 1993. Not that it makes it any better, but mm, it's been a minute. So Robinson County is the poorest county in the entire state of North Carolina. So, I actually, with my partner in crime, just watched a YouTube video that said that Lumberton, aka Robinson County, is like the, I think, seventh worst place to live. Like, it was, it was pretty bad in the entire state of South Carolina. So, from 83 to 87, they had the highest homicide rates in North Carolina, like double the amount of where everybody else in the state. Like, this was shoot em upville <laughs> So, and I'm not laughing at that. It's just, yeah, this was definitely something else. So, follow me on this one. The sheriff at the time, his name was Hubert Stone. Kevin Stone, who was his son, was involved in killing. Now, he was, Hubert Stone was the sheriff. Kevin was the deputy. Kevin was involved in a cover-up of killing a man on the side of the road. But because Hubert was his dad, it was basically... Nobody paid attention to it at all. So they got caught up. Um, but Robinson County was accused of corruption. And I'm talking, when I say corruption, I mean massive corruption. Like they were protesting in the streets. It was really, the people had had enough by that time. So, um, and they were fed up, basically. And they put a gentleman up that they believed would represent their best interest. A man of Indian descent. Anyway, and he went, and the very next day, he was supposed to go sign so that he could run to be the mayor and he is shot and killed that night and in his home minding his own business and there is a lady who is an eyewitness saying that a deputy was there around 12 30 that night when this gentleman died. I'll leave you to those conclusions. So, back to dear Daniel and Larry, right? Because this is why we're here. So, Daniel went in and he covered completely for Larry. Like a friend should. He, 
he was not going to sell out Larry for anything in the world. He was one of, he was a ride or die. And we can all appreciate people like that, that we have in our lives. Larry, on the other hand, was not a ride or die. And so Larry caved after both of them were in rooms and the sheriff told him that Daniel had said Larry had killed Mr. Jordan. Well, then Larry just fell apart and he immediately started blaming Daniel. Daniel killed him. Daniel killed him. Daniel killed him. So we have reached the end of our 30 minute session. So I will, we are going to do this in three episodes. Tomorrow we get into the actual court case and what happened. Um, and we will give you guys some exciting information as to what's going on with both Larry and Daniel. Um, but it is going to be a three-part series. So we hope to see you. And until next time, email us at murdersandmysteries at gmail.com. Like and subscribe. Thanks so much. See you later.